Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. Well, I don't want to make the assumption that everybody knows who I am. I'm not Johnny, I'm not Johnny Carson in 1988. I'm Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth, and uh, I met your pastor in December about this week in 2020 when churches were shut down. He was one of the pastors that uh, had the spine, searching for a church term, to keep his church open. And uh, it was like we all found each other that year. Actually, he was going to another convention in the summertime, and the convention that he was going to required masks. It was a, it was a faith conference, and that didn't really sit well with him because, uh, you know, if you have faith that the blood of Jesus can't keep you free from sickness and disease, but you have faith that your Paw Patrol mask from Etsy can, you have a mental problem. And so uh, he kept driving, and he drove to Pastor Rodney's meeting, and that was in the infancy of the stand. Man, it's hard to believe that was only two and a half, three years ago. Three and a half, I guess it would be now. Um, even for me, I remember Pastor Rodney, I watched him get arrested and all that, and I, I called him. We were on the phone every day, and he... I thought, and if you want to check the news, you know, I was just waiting for the thing to lift like now. I'm like, I'm gonna, we're going to knock this thing out. There's no way America is going to succumb to this. Uh, and it took a little longer than I thought. So I was looking to just carry out my meetings and do everything as normal. And Pastor Rodney said, I'd like you to come down and join me. I'm going to start something called The Stand because they're going to lock churches back down if we're not having church every night. He said, I know that in my spirit. So... Would you come and help me? I didn't feel like coming to help him. I want to just keep do, doing my meetings. But I, I kind of hemmed and hawed, and then he asked me a second time. And a guy like that doesn't ask. I, when he asked the second time, I knew he wanted somebody, after just getting arrested, not just to preach with him, but to stand with him down there. And I felt to do it. So I said, all right. So I got a short-term lease in, um, I mean... So much has happened in these last three years. It was a big deal for me to lease a second. It would be like you. If someone said, will you come to Florida and go live there for two months while you still have your place here? I mean, I could barely do that, but I did it. We got a short-term lease. I think we did a 90-day lease in Tampa. And um, they didn't have... How many of you ever watched the stand at Pastor Rodney's church? Well, the roof wasn't up then. He had just put the AstroTurf down. And then they had a curfew in Tampa at 9 p.m. So I don't know if you've ever been to Florida, but it's like 140 degrees with 300% humidity. I think people from Florida, when they go to hell, will go, you know, at least there's no humidity. So welcome everybody watching from Florida. So because we had to start the service earlier in the day, the sun was like here, direct sun. I mean, I was changing colors while I was preaching. You know, I'm white. I, I don't tan. I burgundy. <laughs> and I was getting hit in that heat, I remember. And then it was like this hodgepodge of people spread out over an acre that were coming with food. You ever see people in Florida? I don't think they have mirrors in their house when they get dressed. They just put like anything on. They come in Crocs, jean shorts, and like a Led Zeppelin t-shirt to church. And so they're all sitting there and uh, eating. And we were on TV live every night. So... I preached, and I preached every night, and one of the nights I was preaching there, 
Pastor Dean, who I didn't know. I was standing, I remember I was standing in the front row waiting to get called up to preach. And this gentleman walks over and says, uh, Hey, I'd like you to come to my church if you can. I said, I'll come. I can tell, you know, I know they say not to judge. I judge people in like a second and a half. I can just tell, you know, some of you don't understand why your parents don't like your girlfriend. You've never even met her. I don't need to. I looked at her eyes. I don't like her. And uh, you don't have to be too old before that starts happening. Oh, we're going we're gonna to have fun tonight, aren't we? I see happy people. Good. We cleared out the funeral cl- crowd from last night. We're going to have revival tonight. So uh, anyway, he came over and he told me the story that when he came, you know, you drive from Hobbs, New Mexico to Tampa, Florida. That's not a day trip. And he said um, when he got there, you know, if you're going to hear Pastor Rodney Howard Brown and he's not there and then some guy you never heard of is up there, you're ticked off. Even when I go to the river, when they have me speak, I'm disappointed. I wanted to hear Pastor Rodney. And uh, he was going to leave, and then he said when he heard the first few words, you know, that's what the anointing does. It's like you can, you can tell somebody carries and is of the, of the same flow of faith. To me, that's one of the greatest testaments that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is, won by, is run by Jesus. And it's not just some kind of organization, because think about it. A pastor in Congo could have me come and fill in in his pulpit this next Sunday, and nothing I said would be out of line from what he teaches without us ever talking because it's the Holy Spirit orchestrating everything. Can you say amen? I mean, to me, that's powerful. You know, I've preached here. This is, uh, I don't know if this is trip number five maybe that I've been here, and uh, he's never had to call me back and say, no, don't, don't preach that. In our church, we preach the opposite. The Bible says that you all say the same thing. That's what happens. To me, that's a major testament that the Holy Spirit runs this church. Can you say amen? amen? So he said, would you come? So I got ready to come, and it looked like the lockdowns were going to lift. And then you remember Dr. Fauci announced that they were basically going to cancel Christmas, and they went hardcore round the lockdowns uh, number three here. They did it in March and April. Then they did it again in the summer. Then it lifted, and then they did another wave of lockdowns in December, and that's when they passed. If you remember down here, you weren't allowed more than 20 people in a grocery store at the same time. And so I called him. I said, you know, I, I don't care to come down and preach because whatever trouble there's going to be, I'm only there for a week. But I did have to be a little careful during that time. If the pastor, uh, you know, I could have a great meeting for a week, but then when I leave, he has to go to city council and gets fined. So I didn't want to cause a lot of trouble for the pastor. I said, do you still want to have the meetings? He said, oh, yeah, we're not going to have any trouble. So I came down. And if you remember, those meetings were awesome meetings. We had tons of people get saved. And a, and a friendship and a covenant relationship was born, not just between me and Pastor Dean and Pastor Kathy uh, and their, their children and son-in-law, but between us and this church. And I take, when I say this, this is the kind of stuff you're supposed to say on the first night disingenuously as a guest speaker. But I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, I was telling somebody this afternoon, that you need to get plugged into this church. It's not the best church in Hobbs. I consider this church one of the top churches in the United States of America. A church that's holding up the banner of faith and that contends for the power of God. You know, God is using this place. And to me, it's been awesome to watch Pastor Dean at this stage in life, mid-70s, crest a wave and go to another level. And I see this church going to another level. I see everybody that's plugged into this church going to another level. You're attached to the right place. If you were here yesterday or this morning, the Lord put something in my spirit to make these meetings an on-ramp to 2024. I want to make some announcements while I'm here. I was going to wait till, till, till January 2nd or 1st or, or the new year. 
about 2024, but I think I'm just going to get in on it ahead of time down here because we have that kind of relationship anyway. Um, I want to show you some things because people, not you, but I think people think guys like me, it's their job to kind of just say a lot of nice, encouraging stuff, but it doesn't really work. And part of the reason that people feel that way is like me. The churches I grew up in, they were roughly three to 400 in attendance when I came at 13 or 14 years old. And when I left to go to Bible school, it was still at 300 or 400 in attendance. And you had a bunch of people roll through that God's going to explode. This church is going to another level and everyone cheer. But basically you saw everything stay at the same level. Income, you know, might go up 3% or so. But basically everything had plateaued or stagnated. Most people are only around Christians. Basically, the one you see now will be the same one you see 15 years from now. That's even if they stay serving the Lord. But I'm talking positively. You don't see people start off making minimum wage in the church and then God bless them and then buy a house and then uh, God give them an idea and then start a company that goes to the six-figure level and then seven-figure level and eight-figure level and start to employ people. There have not been many people that have role modeled that then secondly, the ones that do role model that, people either persecute them, oh, that guy's all about money, or hey, all he talks about is blessing, or they just treat him like an anomaly. That guy's so anointed. They'll do that with, with healing and miracles. If you're a preacher and you have people healed, I used to get introduced that way when I started preaching. You know, we're having in Jonathan Shuttlesworth tonight. You might know him, but he's a young man. He has people healed in his ministry. Well, if you read the Bible, if you don't have people healed in your ministry, you're not a minister. That'd be like introducing, this is, this is Mike the plumber. He fixes sinks in his plumbing business. Yeah, that's his job. A minister is not just supposed to say nice speeches. The Bible says, Paul said, when I brought you the gospel, it was not in word only, but in the demonstration of the power of the spirit. I did this that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the, in the power of God. And so, uh, because it's been so rare, people think that this stuff is encouraging words to get you through the year or to get you through the week till next Sunday. I want God to use me this week to put something on the inside of you that if you'll fully commit, say a word with me, say wholeheartedly. If you, we do fasting and prayer January 2nd, uh, through the 22nd. And you know, uh, I'm in the faith movement. The faith movement basically mocks fasting and prayer. Uh, I've heard people in the faith movement say, by the way, Kenneth Hagin, if you listen to him, he said the first 20 years of his ministry, I've heard him say it. I can bring the clips. I fasted every Monday and every Wednesday. That's what he said. So when people try to construe it like Kenneth Hagin didn't believe in fasting and prayer, same with T.L. Osborne. T.L. Osborne said that when he failed in India as a missionary, he came back and fasted and prayed for basically one year. And then had his encounter with Christ where Jesus explained to him how to go to pagan nations and have results. Can you say amen? amen. I hope the sound isn't being fidgeted with. It was perfect in the beginning. Not making accusations. I would never make accusations. But please don't turn me down. Please. This is my 300th service this year. So if you could give me a little sound, I'd be super happy. Otherwise, I'm just going to start smoking. If my voice is going to sound like this anyway, then I'm just going to go unfiltered after the service. Please don't make me do that. So um, fasting and prayer is an accelerant. When I say wholeheartedly, what's the purpose in fasting and prayer? I heard a guy in the faith movement say, anything guys try to do by their fasting, 
I can do by my faith. Well, faith, fasting, is if it's done correctly, fasting is an expression of faith. You don't do it as religious punishment. You do it in faith to wholeheartedly devote the first part of the year to the Lord. Uh, if you read the Bible, which I would encourage you to do, God's very simple to figure out. He wants honor, and specifically, he wants the first part of everything. He wants your firstborn. In the Old Testament, the first of your livestock was to be committed to the Lord. The first of our week. What, what day is Sunday? Is Sunday the seventh day or the first day? First day. You spend the first, and do you come in the morning or at night? Well, here you do, but if you're Pentecostal, you do both, but you come in the morning. The first hours of the first day of every week are given to the Lord, and then God made a promise. If you give me the first part, then I'll bless the remainder, the tithe. Is the tithe your last 10% or your first 10%? If you give me the first 10%, I will bless the remaining 90. That's what people that don't tithe don't understand. How in the world? I can barely live on 100%. How in the world am I going to give God the, the top 10%? Because it's better to have 90% blessed than 100% cursed. Can you say amen? He said, if you return to me in the tithe, it's not a tax. See if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that's so great, you won't have room enough to take it all in. So God has a plan. I can, I can feel this coming into your spirit tonight. God has a practical plan for every person who's here tonight. I saw these young people in this section and it really touched my heart that you would be in church on a Monday night. Nobody can make you go to church on Monday night. I don't care how religious your parents are. They can make you go on Sunday. Monday's not even a thing. Maybe it isn't like Scientology. But there's no Monday night services in church. So for you to be here, as soon as I walked by you, I felt the Lord speak to me to really spend time I'll spend time with the rest of the sections too. I want you to know you don't have to wait till you're 41 with a failed marriage and, and, and kids that don't serve the Lord to start getting your life together. You can give your life to the Lord at 14 or 12 or 15 and God won't wait till you're older to bless you. God will start blessing you now. God will start blessing you in your youth. I, I've preached here enough that I've probably shared almost every story I have to share except the new ones. It took place since July, but some of them are worth repeating. I wanted to tell the young people that are here, like, how will God bless you? I'll, I'll tell you one, one case. And I wasn't like I am now at 16. I wasn't, I didn't wake up before school and pray. I tried it one time for like two days. Our youth pastor, our youth pastor was, you should wake up before school and pray. I said, yeah, that's true. That sounds good. And I set my alarm for 10 minutes earlier, got out of bed and knelt down to pray and slept on my knees for nine minutes. Then I tried again the next day. I did the exact same thing. And I thought, well, I'm either going to get arthritis or I need to quit, quit doing this. And I, I stopped. So don't, I'm telling you how you are. That's how I am. Other than I did read the Bible every day and I did pray a little every day. But I wasn't, I wasn't walking around in a suit, suit and tie. If you've ever seen my cousin, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., he did have this guy in his high school. He was the only other Christian in my cousin's high school. It was a public high school. And this guy went to an independent fundamental Baptist church. If you don't know what those churches are, be glad that you don't. <laughs> this guy was 17 and they would have him preach because, you know, there's only like 25 people in the church and they were excited that he had the call of God. He would wear like khaki pants up to here with a belt and a dress shirt. And on Monday, he'd come in dressed like that with loafers on and sit in the home room and Teddy would go, hey, how was your weekend? He went, good. But like with a gruff voice, good. 
He'd say, uh, uh, how was it? He said, they had me preach. How was it? And he said, he'd go, it was great, Doc. Doc, like he was like a 90-year-old preacher at 17. So what I'm telling you is I wasn't like that. I joked around. I got voted funniest in my class or class clown, whatever they called it, with 92% of the vote. I joked around. So if you think, I, I, what I'm trying to tell you is I was not, whatever level of spirituality I have right now, you could put it at about 10% back then. So I'm telling you that if you put God first, you don't have to be some weirdo. God's blessing will start coming on your life in your youth. Here's one way that it manifested when I was in high school. I was, uh, I was in my room getting ready for, for, for school. I remember I was buttoning my shirt up. And the Lord spoke to me and said, go visit your English teacher in the hospital. My English teacher, his name was Mr. Nara. He got sent to the hospital the first month of school. We had a substitute basically the whole year. He was supposed to come back in one month and he never came back. Well, I didn't care. You know, I was, I was 16. Best of luck. Hope the doctors can help you. I was concerned about uh, my Sega Genesis uh, NBA Live franchise team. I had very important things on my mind. You know, you're 16. You don't care about anybody else. And most people stay that way their whole life. But the Lord, the Lord is concerned about others. So he said, go and visit your, your English teacher. And we weren't close. I had had him for four weeks as a teacher. We never made any kind of bond or connection. Go and see him in the hospital. All right. So I, I had one other Christian friend in our school. His name's Scott Tyree. And I said, hey, Scott, I'm going to go visit Mr. Nara in the hospital. Would you come with me? He said, sure. So we went. I didn't ever visited anybody in the hospital before. You know, I was Pentecostal. We weren't allowed to go to the hospital. <laughs> it's like a bar. <laughs> you just died at home. So I walked. I signed in. I went to his room. You know, the Lord just told me to go visit him in the hospital. He didn't give me any further instructions. I went in. And just made awkward small talk for like three minutes that felt like 30 minutes. I barely knew the guy. I said, hey, hey Mr. Nara, nice to see you. He said, oh, Jonathan, how are you? I said, I said I'm good. I said, uh, I said, how's it going? He said, well, you know, it's, it's been more complicated than they thought it was going to be. And I said, I'm sorry to hear that. He said, how's the substitute teacher doing? I said, she's all right, but we, we like you better. Hope, hope you get well soon. And we talked a little more. And then I said, would you mind if I prayed with you? He said, no, I would, I would appreciate that. So I took his hand and prayed a very simple prayer. And he looked more sick when I finished praying than when I started. I was hoping there'd be some testimony that all of a sudden his pulse started going and he ripped out the wires and started dancing and an organist came in, but none of that happened. But when I did finish praying, he said, thank you very much. I said, you're welcome. He said, you know, you're the first person from the school Teachers, students, or anybody that's come to visit me this whole year. I said, I'm sorry to hear that. He said, you know, your English final's coming up next week. I said, I did. He said, have they told you what the questions are? Because there were seven essay questions that you had to study for, and you didn't know which one you were going to get, and they're very detailed questions. Discuss Homer's use of alliteration in the Iliad, citing specific examples. That's one you had to be ready for. And then there were six other ones like that. He said, are, uh, you know what the questions are? I said, yeah, they did tell us. He said, well, they told you there's seven, right? I said, yeah. He said, well, I'm going to add in an eighth question. And he said, um, that eighth question is going to be, if you were ever given a million dollars, how would you spend it? And he said, only two students are going to get that question. And whatever their answer is, it's going to be an A plus for their final grade. And he nodded. You know, Italians always speak in code. <laughs> So I didn't want to blow it. Like, I felt like I almost blew it. Like, is that going to be us? 
I, but when he not, he went, do you understand? And I didn't really understand. I just like nodded my head and I left. So I forgot what he said. But the, when I went to that final in English and this school, this high school had the top um, amount of percentage of students that went to college out of any school in the state of Maine. So they were, it was a difficult academic school. And I didn't go for that reason. I went because I like to play ice hockey. I had a problem, a small problem. I was very good at all the parts of hockey. I understood positioning, passing, shooting, but I couldn't skate. So I thought that'd be like a little thing, but it's almost like wanting to play football, but you don't have any feet because you can't move. So I thought, I'm not going to make, and when you go to Maine, those kids, literally, I'm not saying this to be funny. They make like PVC walker, PVC pipe walkers. They start skating as soon as they can walk, like at three years old. So these kids could fly, and I'm, I'm like this. So I picked the M academic school because it was full of nerds, and they had gone 0-16 the year before. So I thought, if I can make any team, I can make this team. So I was not there for the grades. I was going to Bible school. Bible school doesn't care about your grades. If you can pay the tuition, if you can pay the tuition, you can have a pentagram on your forehead, and they'll let you in and work with you. That one kind of let the air out of the room. We'll keep going. I'm sorry. That was a little too far. So I go and I forgot what happened at the hospital. And I get my manila envelope and I open it up and I have the question. Uh, if you were given a million dollars, how would you spend it? And I look over at Scott and he's already holding his up. And so that teacher gave us those two questions and him and I, probably the two dumbest people in that, I'm telling you the truth. And if you're watching, Scott, I mean, let's be honest. We were, we were not standouts in that class. We got the highest grades in that class. We both got 100 because we visited him in the hospital. All of my classmates, you, they were irritated. Because when they posted who's, who got the grades and me and him are at the top, they thought something's up. What did you do, kidnap one of his children? How in the world did you two end up at the top? And so they looked at our paper and they went, how did you get that question? That wasn't even one of the questions. They said, that's not fair. You want to know something? All of life is not fair. The, the, the Bible says the race doesn't go to the swift nor the battle to the strong. That's why people are always frustrated. I, I'm better than him. I, I deserve that. You don't get what you deserve. You don't get things because you're the best. Life is not fair, but that unfairness can work towards you when God is on your side. Favor will take you where your own ability can't take you. And I'm telling the young people that are here, I'm telling the mothers and fathers like me that are here, there is a favor that God has on your life that's going to take you from where you are now to where God has you to be. If you believe it, go ahead and do what you're already doing. Clap your hands, all ye people. Give the Lord a mighty shout of praise. You have a favor that's on your life. If you believe it, can you say amen? amen. If you were here yesterday, I said any students that want to stay here all week, Monday through Friday for the 10 a.m. service, I'll write you a note for your teacher. And I did. You know, when, when Jewish kids get bar mitzvah, they spend a week with the rabbi. I don't know why. Deep down, I'm telling you this. Deep down, Christians don't think church or the Bible is important. Jew, Jewish people will pull their children out of school to spend time with a rabbi. Islamic families will do it uh, with a cleric. 
You don't hear any Christians doing that. There is going to be in 2024 a return to the importance of the word of God. Because you're already seeing it right now. That the things that people have trusted in and valued more than church and the Bible. Like Harvard and and Ivy League schools. You're starting to see that it's all bullcrap. That the presidents of those schools are absolute failures and losers. And the things that people have taught their children to subvert Christ, to get ahead, those structures are being shaken. But the word of God can never be shaken. It is an unshakable foundation that will put something in your life that the world doesn't know how to stamp out. So Jonathan, are you telling our kids not to try hard in school? Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, whatever level of success I've attained and things I've obtained, it's not been from working hard in the flesh. It has been, I'm telling you, I'm not oversimplifying it. It has come from honoring God. Nobody, nobody puts God first and finishes last. Nobody. It's impossible. You will not be 80 years old wishing you spent less time in church and less time with the word of God. You will wish you spent more time valuing God. Boy, it's amazing. I mean, I don't think he'd mind me saying it. When I started dating Adalis, there was hardly anybody serving the Lord in the family. Her father had recently become a Christian. Before he was a Christian, I'm repeating what her family said. He was a bad dude. He, he did, he lived in, they lived in the Bronx. Then they moved up to Boston. And, and, and okay, well, I don't know if the statute of limitations is up, so I'll just leave it at that. But I'm, t- I'm not telling you it's like a legalistic preacher that he was a bad, I'm telling you, he was a bad man, a bad dude. Not a bad father, but he was not even close to being a Christian. Then he gets saved late in life. Then he prays. Think of how powerful this is. Father, to make up for all the time that I've wasted. His wife was pregnant with twin girls, he found out. Make these twin girls useful in the ministry to serve you. That one daughter is my wife, Adalis, and the other one's Magalis that runs the ministry. God answered that prayer. (laughs) Prophetic power over their life. I'm telling you, you have a supernatural on-ramp available to you. You don't have to live like others live. There is, a, there is a blessing of God that when you attain it, it'll get you what no one could ever get in the flesh. If you receive that, can you say amen? amen. Praise God. And, and used them that way. Turned everything around. Whole families in church and working in church. That's what God has. So now, think of this. I get that paper if you were given a million dollars. What would you do? Well, I get ready to write. I would buy a Lamborghini. I think I actually had it written. And um, as I was writing, even on that paper, you know, God takes everything serious. God sees what you say. God sees what you write. I got a check in my spirit and I got so excited. I was like so excited in my flesh that number one, I got that paper that guaranteed I'd get a 100. And I was right. I was just going to write about all the stuff I'd spend it on. And then I thought, wait a minute, what about the tithe? So I erased it, and I wrote right up top. And as I'm writing it, I'm thinking, these people think I'm nuts already. They don't even know what a tithe is. But I wrote, as a Christian, the first thing I would do is take 
and I would give it to the Lord. $100,000. And then I wrote the other stuff. I didn't write anything about taxes because I didn't know about them. So if I followed that plan on the paper, I'd be in jail. (laughs) I will tell you, in 2016, I, I believe God takes you at your word. In 2016, when I was preaching in Europe, in a church of 130 people, they said, would you like to know what the offering was tonight? I said, yeah. They said, it's just over a million dollars U.S. Well, when they said that, I didn't get happy or anything. I just thought they're, they're like, don't know how to count. I thought there's no way a million dollars came in, in this group of people. He said, no. Did you see that girl that gave her life to the Lord on Wednesday night? A lady had come down crying on her knees, praying. I said, yeah, I did notice her. She had left her husband for another man. She wouldn't return any of her husband's text messages. And then when she came to the altar, she broke up with her live-in boyfriend via text message and then went back home and, and rang the doorbell. When her husband answered the door, she was on her knees crying, saying, I'm sorry, please take me back. And that doesn't happen. So he said, I couldn't even get you to return a text message. What made you come back like that? And she said, there was an American at our church, and he was yelling and yelling and yelling. And the more he yelled, the more I realized I I was wrong. I was going to hell. I I, I was completely wrong. And uh, I want you to take me back. Well, that guy came Thursday and Friday. He sat in the back. He never came to the altar to receive Jesus Christ. But he wanted to see who this guy was that flipped his wife around. Well, on the last night, there's things that I was ignorant of up until about 18 months ago. I never, I never put much stock on grace and the, the um, ordination of God. But I'm starting to, to feel that there's this flow, and I can prove it from Scripture that you can get into. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. That Friday night, I, took, I did an offering message that I had never taken before. Matt, I didn't even know it was a scripture. The Holy Spirit, as I was getting ready to take the offering and say what I normally say, laid Malachi 1, 6 through 10 on my, on my spirit, where God said, stop bringing me diseased animals. You're bringing me the worst. Oh, Try giving your governor a gift like that and see how he likes it. Oh, how I wish you would bolt the doors of the temple shut so I wouldn't have to look at these worthless offerings. And when I was saying I was thinking, boy, what an encouraging scripture to tell the people of this European country. And then I said, after I read that, I said, God wants honor. I said, a businessman should not give an offering at the same level as a single mother. I said, so what I want everyone to do tonight is to give an offering based on the level that God has brought you to financially in thanksgiving for what he's done for your life. That man owned, had created one of the top 10 apps on planet earth. I could tell you which one it was. And most of you would have it on your phone, but I'll, I'll keep him anonymous. So he doesn't have 91 pastors asking him for a million dollars that watch me on YouTube. And he wrote a check for $1 million. And so I still didn't get happy. I thought there's a million ways that this million dollar offering can get goofed up, whether it's the government of Finland not allowing it to come to America, uh, the church board not releasing it. So I, something's going to happen. I'm not celebrating it till I have it. But eight days later, it cleared in my account. I'm going to tell you something. I know they say money doesn't make you happy. I guarantee you if your account goes from $20,000 to a $1,020,000, you are going to at least turn one side of your mouth up. 
I saw that thing clear. I'll tell you another thing while I'm at it. I don't know if you call this a sermon or a service or what. We're just going to have some fun at the expense of the devil tonight in Jesus' name. How many of you feel victory in this place tonight? Check this out. So the million dollars comes in and our bank, I won't say the name of the bank, but it's a PNC bank. They told us that there's a 5% fee to process the money. What's 5% of a million dollars? Anyone? 50,000. They want $50,000. It's not even like, it's not like in ones. It's just numbers transferred from one computer to another computer. They want $50,000 to do that. So I told Patrick, I said, tell them that we're not giving them 50000 and we're going to pull all our money out of the account and uh, switch banks. And they said, how about $50? Change it from 50000 to $50. You know what I learned there? That when God prospers you, one of the things it does If you have a negative bank account from being overdrawn and you tell the bank we're going to pull all their money out, they're going to say, good, we were hoping you would. You don't have any money. We have to cover you all the time. That's where I was. But then God, when he builds you up, I heard Jesse Duplantis say it. You actually become too big to mess with. Where they go, I'll tell you, while, while while I'm rolling, when we moved to that bigger building, when our church outgrew the first building and went into the second building, there were people in the government that were trying to get us taken out of that building. In fact, one of them off the record told one of the people, I don't like that church and I don't want them in this town. Well, that's not legal, but it doesn't matter. You didn't say it on the record. So they're trying, they sent people in to count the heads of how many people were coming at our church to shut us down for a code violation. We had a lawyer check it out. They had never done that to one business in the town in the last five years, just us. That's called religious discrimination. And and, and they went at it. You want to know how it got resolved? One of the men in Pittsburgh that's a very wealthy man, billionaire, he called the city and said, why are you picking on that church? He said, I'm going to tell you something. This guy's not a Christian, doesn't go to the church. He said, I'm going to sue you to the Supreme Court for religious discrimination. What does he care? He's not in our church. He's not a part of our church. Nothing would affect him. Why would he spend his own money to help us? But that's what he said. He said, I'm going to sue this town all the way to the Supreme Court. And he said, I promise you, your town will run out of money before I run out of money. They dropped the lawsuit that week because when God blesses you, then you become more powerful than the place you are. You know that? That's part of the blessing of God. God said, I will set you on high above all the nations of the world. So when I'm talking to you about blessing, I'm not talking about somebody paying for your chicken at church's chicken. I'm talking about you opening up your own church's chicken and hiring people. And when people need jobs, Pastor Dean says, go see him. They're always hiring. I'm telling you tonight, you're going higher than anybody's ever told you you're going. If you believe it, can you say amen? amen. Yeah. I, I felt when that million dollars cleared our account, I was reminded about that story I told you from when I was 16. I believe, I can't prove it, you can't disprove it. I believe God saw me write that at 16. If I'm giving a million, 100,000 is going into the ministry. Now I'm going to tell you something. I'm not saying this. To make anybody feel bad. When I got that million, I did exactly what I said. I gave 100000 to that church where the million came in. 
I gave 100000 to Pastor Rodney. That's 200000 Then I sent 50. Did I send another 100 to No. I sent 50 to my brother-in-law who was building a church in Montreal, Quebec. Then I sent 50000 to my father. Now, I'm telling you this not to make my dad look bad. I'm telling you what God can do for someone. When I sent that 50000 to my dad, I hadn't told anybody what had happened. My dad called me three days later. I thought he was calling to say thank you. He said, Jonathan, I want you to know that we got ready to do our deposit this week. And fortunately, I saw that check that you sent. He said, my, your mother and I love your sense of humor. He said, but you need to know that if you write a check for $10,000 or more and it bounces, it's a federal crime. He said, so fortunately, I saw it before we deposited it, and I was able to remove it from the pile. But you need to be careful. Now, you know God has blessed you when your own dad. Do you know what my dad showed that by calling me? He didn't think I could ever accumulate $50,000 ever in my life. And I said, Dad, you can put that check back in the pile. That's not a fake check. That's a real check. And my dad, who has a very gruff, deep voice from preaching for 45 years, I heard his voice go up eight octaves till he sounded like he sang tenor in the Vienna Boys Choir. I said, Dad, that's a real check. He went, seriously? I said, oh, yeah. He said, what happened? I told him what happened. You know why I'm telling you that? Because there are people here that your parents love you. Your family loves you. Your friends love you. But they've all marked out in their mind a level that they think you can go to and that you'll never go higher. But I'm telling you, every one of you that are here tonight, whatever line people have drawn where they think you'll never go past that line, you're going to blow past that line in the next 12 and a half months. I'm telling you tonight, I'm looking at a room full of line crossers, barrier breakers, where they've tried to fence you in. You're not staying there. You're going from glory to glory, victory to victory, and strength to strength. There's people in your family that are about to get surprised about where God's taking you. I said there's people in your family that are about to get surprised about where God's taking you. They thought Joseph was the least in the family. The firstborn was supposed to go to the top. David, it was supposed to be Eliab that was supposed to go to the top. God doesn't care who your parents think is the best in the family or who your teachers think is the best. God cares about who loves him. Practical, actionable love for the kingdom of God secures a high place in your destiny in life. Practical, actionable love for God and his kingdom puts you in a high place in life. Can you say amen? amen. Say with me. Practical. Practical. Actionable. Actionable. Love for God. Love for God. Secures, for me Secures for me a high place in life. Why did I add those words in to sound smart, practical, and actionable? And I said, why don't you say, well, love for God gives you a high place in life? Because everybody says they love God. We go out on the street right now and find people that haven't been to church in eight months or ever. Do you love God? See, te amo, te amo, Jesus Cristo. Te adoro, Jesus Cristo. Yeah, everybody knows. They're not going to find too many people on the street, even with all the public school programming and Viacom conditioning. You still aren't going to find too many Americans who say, I hate God, I hate the Bible, I hate church. You hear people, 
You th- what do you think about church? Is church important? Oh, yeah, people need to be in church. What church do you go to? Well, um, <laughs> I had uh, my friend back there, Abraham, help me out today. He ran an errand for me. First day of a meeting, you always find all the stuff you forgot to pack. And uh, the guy said, because it's a store we've been to before. The guy said, are you, are you, uh, is Jonathan here this week? He said, yeah. He said, are, uh, are you coming? Or no, no, I'm trying to think, what, he, what did you say, Abraham? Yeah, he said, where do you go to church? You know, because he said, boy, we love Jonathan. We listen we listen to him all the time. So he said, where do you go to church? Um, you know, when the answer is, um, that's not a church. My mother's Catholic, and until she dies, you know, I have to go to the church. This is not somebody that's 14. This is somebody that's older than me, that their mother is still controlling their life. At some point... You have to grow some huevos and make decisions for your own life. Can you say amen? Yeah. When you're 14, you can say, my mother said I'm supposed to go here. When you're 60, it's time to freaking turn the page and start making some decisions. Because one day, every person is going to stand before God and give an account for their life. And you're not going to stand before Jesus and say, my dad said, or my mother said, or my grandmother said. God's going to say, I'll talk to them next. But right now, I'm talking to you. That's why I'm trying to put something in you. If you're going to go where nobody in your family has ever gone, then you're going to have to make decisions that nobody in your family has ever made. That's how you cross the line. There's a reason that nobody has ever risen past a point. Everybody makes the same decisions, and then the first time somebody goes to make a different decision, they have a family meeting. We heard you're going to choose Life Church. We're Catholic. Meanwhile, nobody's been to a Catholic church in 35 years. Well, you're Catholic. Your grandmother would be very disappointed if she heard. Well, she's not going to hear. She's been dead for 12 years. They start pulling. Isn't it interesting? They'll have a family meeting to get you to stop going to these meetings. And when you were drinking yourself blackout drunk, nobody ever had a meeting to say, stop going to the bar. You will find in life, even the people that love you. And I don't know any of your parents. He's really being hard on my parents. No, I'm not. I don't even know them. Couldn't pick them out of a lineup. I'm telling you, it's the same devil all over the world. If you read the Bible, it's people's families that fought them to keep them out of the promised land. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17. Anybody getting anything out of tonight? Go to, go to verse six, uh, chapter 16 first. This is an important part. 1 Samuel 16, 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there. For I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, How can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. 
When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. I'm not doing this to single you out. I'm doing it because I like you. Let me see your right hand. The enemy tried to take your life several times. And the last one was a close call. But the Lord has brought you here tonight to preserve your life. You're not going to die. You're going to live. The Lord is going to use you and give you the best year that you've ever had. In Jesus' name, a new life begins tonight in the name of Jesus. Things are going to turn from today in Jesus' name. True, isn't it? God loves you. Devil's plans fail. Can you say amen? You're going to have the best night of anybody here. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. Sorry they gave you chokeable cookies. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one, one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. Say that with me. Say, I have rejected him. I know no, no preachers agree with me on this. You can get rejected. None of you here are rejected, but you should keep a watch on your life. You can tick God off for the last time. People live a free, loose life with God. Yeah, I didn't expect any amens. I got three. It's three more than I expected. People don't have any care for their life. And all the preaching on television basically lulls you into loose living. I mean, no matter how many times we mess up, God's there to forgive. No, actually, you could go get drunk and wrap your car around a telephone pole and go to hell. You can mess up for the last time. It is very foolish to make allowance in your life for mistakes. I'm telling you, if I'm, the next time I'm in a service and somebody says something like that, you're going to watch a hymnal go end over end at the guy's head. And you're like, Jonathan must be in that meeting. What kind of a moron lulls people to sleep? I mean, now we all mess up, but God's there to forgive. You can mess up for the last time. It is foolish. Anybody here play sports besides me? Does, does, did anybody have a coach that said, I mean, no, no matter how many times we mess up, we'll still be a team? No. You, were, you, you, were, you had a role. You were expected to perform at that role. And if you messed up, if you were playing cornerback, and got beaten coverage, if you were playing shortstop and let the ball bounce through your legs, people were upset because you had a task and were expected to do that task. So why would a coach have that attitude for a game that actually doesn't matter? And then in life, you have this loosey-goosey attitude. Everything goes. We all mess up. If I were you, I'd make up my mind tonight. I'm not making any more mistakes. I've made enough for one lifetime. From this day forward, I'm going to walk on the path that God said to walk on. I'm going to fulfill what God said I'm to do. If that's you and you commit to that tonight, let them hear your hand clap all over this auditorium. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Can somebody say a loud amen? amen. I've rejected him. Are these all the sons you have? Samuel asked. They're still the youngest, Jesse replied. 
But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We'll not sit down to eat until he arrives. Verse 12, 1 Samuel 16, 12. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, man, you know you're handsome when the Holy Spirit writes how handsome you are. <laughs> Holy Spirit, that's one good looking dude. The Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there in the midst of his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. So I don't just want to read about David beating Goliath. I want to show you what precipitated the whole thing. Was David getting anointed? Do you know what these meetings at night especially are? They're meetings for you to get anointed. There is zero substitute for being anointed by God. It'll make you different. It'll make you stand in a room of 42 leaders. And when the main leader comes in, he goes, I want to talk to that guy. Who's she? You stand out. The prophet Samuel had never met anybody in that family. And in his flesh, he thought, this guy's going to be the one. God said, no, I rejected him. And he says, none of these. And when he came, he poured his oil over him and David was anointed. I don't, I, for the sake of time, I couldn't read it. But right after David gets anointed, a position opens up in Saul's palace to play the harp. He goes from tending his father's sheep to palace musician in Israel. Now, David was going to be the king. Isn't it interesting that the anointing by itself started to move David into positioning to where he was going to be? What, what classes had David taken? What, was he a political science major? He was 17. He was a shepherd. When you get anointed by the Holy Ghost, how come Jesse Duplantis likes me? How come Rodney Howard Brown likes me? You know, there's two presidential candidates. There's not a lot of people running for president this year. There's two of them that I've already ha had dinner with this year. And I can't conduct myself in any more of a manner to not get invited to those kind of things. I stand on chairs. I sweat. I say, I've said wave holes. I mean, what do, what do you want to do? The way you're supposed to be as a minister to get invited to stuff like that, I do everything the opposite. If I wanted to get invited to those things, I should be up here. And so as we go to point number three, before we go our separate ways, it's important to know that we're to love our neighbor and none of that. Defy the government, all that. Two different political parties. Not, not two Republicans. And the one guy, when I met him, I didn't think he'd know who I was. I got invited through a second party. The person who invited me introduced me. This is Pastor Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I said, nice to meet you, so-and-so. He said, oh, I know who you are. He said, you preached in a certain state, and my brother's sister attends that church. She was sick with this certain disease, and when you prayed for her, she got healed. That was in 2014. He said, I've been looking forward to meeting you for a long time. So, and I'm telling you, that guy stayed parked by me. He greeted other people. He wanted to talk to me the whole night. And we talked. Then he said, would you mind if I give you my cell phone number so we can keep in touch? And I did. What was the thing? Do you know the people that were at that thing? The top in their field, vice president of a major bank, top surgeons, top everybody. He stayed parked by me. Why? What was our connection? The anointing healed. Oral Roberts got called by JFK. 
The president wanted to meet with him. Billy Graham, presidents wanted to meet with him. The anointing of the Holy Ghost will take you where nothing else can take you. My friends were all studying all night for their English final. And the anointing got me a hundred. The leading of the spirit made a plan, not just for me to minister to my teacher. When you do things for God, God does things for you. All my students were saying, all those, my classmates were saying, we studied all night. It's not fair that you got that question. I didn't study at all. I knew I was going to get that question. They were all studying. You know what I did? I remember what night it was. It was the night Michael Jordan beat the Utah Jazz in uh, 1990 when he had the flu. And he crossed up whoever and hit the winning shot. I watched that till 11 at night. Watched all the post game. Then I got a hankering to play NBA Live. I popped that in and played till 2 in the morning and got 100. That gets quiet. Parents wish I want to talk like this. Well, you need to study hard. Let me tell you something. There's all kinds of people studying hard to get into a school. Do you know why they push you to college? Because there's student debt involved. They make tons of money off you going to college. You graduate a ton of money in debt. You get a job that can't recoup the money. Why do you think you have all these people asking politicians to forgive student loans? Because they're still in debt. There's no job on the other end waiting to pay that off. You know, you know, you'll still hear, forget the anointing. You'll still hear parents say, now, I don't want my kid to be a bricklayer. Bricklayer makes money. Oil field worker makes money. I told my nephew, Pito, he wasn't called to the ministry. I said, don't go to university. He's in Massachusetts. Everybody goes to the university. I said, don't go to university. Move down here with me and train to go into the natural gas field. He did a year of schooling. The second half year was an internship. And he was in the field with a brand new truck, company truck, and his own place to live, and plenty of money with no debt. I gave him a place to live. There's a, I'm not saying, now, there are things you have to go to college for. You can't just practice medicine. I heard your knees hurting you. Why don't you come on over? I have a sharp knife and some whiskey. <laughs> you can't do that. I mean, you can, but you'll go to jail. You know, it's not good when your doctor's IV bottle is a cut in half upside down Mountain Dew bottle. <laughs> It's not good when you ring your doctor's doorbell and a dog barks. <laughs> There's things that you need in school. You need it for a lot. But this push where everybody get good grades. Pastor, my son's not going to be able to be in church this week because finals are coming up. You're, you're not a bright parent. You should teach your children to honor God and put God first. You can train up an Eliab as a child, but you can train up a David as a child. And God will make up all the other things. I'm not promoting stupidity, but school and job is not the end all in life. Let me ask you a question. Who's the highest rate of suicide among? The poor and unemployed? No. Who? The rich and employed. Because they did everything they were supposed to do. And there's no pot of gold on the other side of the rainbow. And they're miserable. Meanwhile, there's some guy with no home, asleep on the street with a brick over his eyes to keep the sunlight out. Happy as a lark. He's got nothing to worry about. Hey, did you hear they're going to raise taxes? <laughs> they're not going to tax my shopping cart full of blankets, so I'm set. You're going to think, I'm not making fun of homeless people. I'm telling you what I saw yesterday. In downtown Pittsburgh, there was a guy. He had a cart full of blankets, and he had a dog on top. The dog was going along for a ride. The dog had this look on his face like, of all the owners, I get this guy. I'm telling you, he was like a... 
I'm on the world's longest walk. Can we go home now? We don't have a home. Son of a gun. Never got a word of knowledge on what a dog's thinking before, but I did. <laughs> you know, when you listen to Billy Graham preach, those old guys preach, there's stuff they preach that you don't hear people preach anymore. In all, I'm not saying forget school, get bad grades. They would say, in all you're getting, get Christ. That's what Billy Graham's message was. In all you're getting, get Christ. While Eliab was training for military school, David was in the field singing songs to God and ingratiating himself to the heart of God. And God mobilized the top prophet in the nation to send him there and say, call him out. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's a time. It's why the Bible says, don't be weary in well-doing. There's a time where it seems like you're just in a field playing songs. No one notices. No one cares. But then one word comes from God. And God can do something in one day that will make a thousand days of labor thousand days in slavery thousand days in prison you'll forget it in one night I prophesy in the name of Jesus your season in the field is coming to an end you're going to the top in Jesus mighty name if you receive it let your hand clap and shout be the loudest let's take 15 seconds and celebrate ahead of time clap your hands all ye people you're going up you're going higher you're crossing the lines If you believe it, can you say amen? amen. Everybody say David was anointed. Everybody say I'm anointed. Say I'm anointed with fresh oil. Did anybody see when Dag Haywood Mills came to our church? What did he pour on us? Oh, he didn't anoint us with oil. He, he left there smelling like an olive garden. You guys know what that is. They don't have one here, do they? Watch TV. Anybody see me strip off most of my clothes when I was in the line? Everybody's getting their suits ruined. I, I was kicking off all my clothes. People were nervous. He poured that oil. You know, when he did that, I consider myself not religious. But you realize you're kind of religious. I was thinking, man, we're going to lose the lease on this place. That's not even my building. When I say, if you weren't watching the services, he was taking bottles of oil and pouring it over people. Everybody's clothes were ruined, except mine, because I, I changed out of them. <laughs> we, we have church on that soccer field, covered in olive oil. I thought the first time a guy's practicing here for the Pittsburgh Riverhounds and slips and slides 150 feet and never stops. We're out of here. I thought, you know what? Forget it. I'm not going to turn into every pastor. I hated my whole life. Excuse me, if you could just not do that. It was Pittsburgh in America. We don't do that. Let it fly. Something broke in the spirit that night. It broke something in the city, I'm telling you. That religious, fake Christianity. I don't know when the last time was we had a wild Holy Ghost service. Brother Higgin did not have teaching meetings. Brother Higgin had Holy Ghost services. He taught and the Spirit of God moved behind the teaching. Catherine Kuhlman had mighty Holy Ghost meetings in that city. R.W. Schambach, when he laid hands on you, you knew you had hands laid on you. You had a red handprint where he hit you. 
And we've forsaken all that for some cleaned up, pretend Christianity. A form of godliness that denies the power. I'm not anointing anybody with oil tonight, so don't get nervous. But I'm telling you, that's the anointing. It is the anointing, the Bible says, that lifts the heavy burden and destroys the yoke of bondage. When you get rid of the anointing, there's nothing to lift the heavy burden. That's why most ministers' whole week is, is counseling. Because they have to talk the burden. You can't talk a burden off. You can't counsel a yoke to be broken. The anointing will do in one second what man can't do in a lifetime. Our anointing is coming on you now. Every Listen to me. Every heavy burden that you carried in here it is being lifted off your shoulders now. Every yoke of bondage that's on your neck, it is destroyed now because of the anointing. If you receive that, just lift both hands and begin to thank God out of your mouth. I am anointed. Thank you. Thank you. Surely you have more than five seconds in you. Thank you. Train your mouth to thank God. I bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Bless the Lord, I tell myself. Forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all my sin and heals all my diseases. He ransoms my life from death. He fills my life with good things. I will be anointed with fresh oil. Fresh oil, Lord. Fresh oil. One of the preachers I love that's one of my heroes, he said Brother Hagin laid hands on him one time and that was the only thing he said. Fresh oil, fresh oil, and keep him ever fresh. Fresh oil, fresh oil, and keep him ever fresh. That anointing. That's why David, when you read his songs, he's writing songs about the anointing all the time because he knew his brothers were better educated. His brothers in the physical were the pick, but God anointed him. And when God anointed him, it took him straight to the top. That's what I've been preaching from the beginning. It took me straight to the top in my English class. It took me straight to the top in those presidential meetings. It'll take you from where you are now to where man thought you could never go. It is the anointing of the Holy Holy Ghost that lifts every heavy burden. Do you have the ability to put scriptures on the screen or not? If not, it's not big deal. Put Isaiah 10 27 in the King James. Isaiah 10 27. It is the anointing that lifts the heavy burden and destroys the yoke of bondage. Isaiah 10 27. It is the anointing that lifts the heavy burden. And destroys the yoke of bondage. There it is. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed. Because of what? I, I, it's coming back to me. I've, I've preached at least one whole night on that here. And I made the illustration. A lot of Hispanic people here, and I'm glad because anointing in English, that's an unused word. Anybody here that's, that's, that's English like me, you don't say anointing for anything. You say, come on, look, can you anoint me with some, I'm going to anoint my face with some facial cream and then we'll go. <laughs> but the word in Spanish, I like. Unción. Which in gringo language is unction. Now that's a word that's used. I have an unction 
to go hunting. I have an unction to go out and get some food. That, that means a quickening power, which is what the anointing is. The Bible says it is uh, if that same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will what? He'll, he'll quicken your mortal body. That's Romans chapter 8. The anointing is a quickening power. Anytime you, you're not going to read in the Bible and the anointing came on someone and they laid down and took a nap. Even me, you know, to be honest with you, the reason I move around when I preach it is the anointing. The anointing, the Bible says, I heard a preacher say this and it's true. He said the Bible says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Then Jesus did what? Went about. And he said, when you get anointed, you go about, you move. You start feeling, I'm, I'm, I hear Pastor Rodney do it. He'll come me up. I'm starting to feel, I'm going I'm to hit 10 cities in Africa in the next six weeks. And I'm already writing them out. When the anointing comes on you, that's why I was in Angola during Thanksgiving. You go, you, you move. <laughs> then God gives you a plane to accommodate it. It puts you in motion. The hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he outran, he outran the king's chariot. Kings have the fastest, swiftest horses in the country. And that old man girded up his loins and ran past them. I'm telling you, with all this Christian uh, TV talk about parasites and supplements and vitamin D, I, I take all that. The anointing of the Holy Ghost will make you strong and quick in old age. It'll counterbalance the poisons they're putting in the food. It'll keep you strong in old age. Somebody say, I am anointed with fresh oil. When, when Bishop Dad came in July and anointed me with oil and I went out under the power and then he kept pouring it on my chest till there was a puddle on my chest. I came off there. It was, it was within the week that the Lord said, now expand to Fort Worth. That's the anointing. And then I announced it. Announce it tonight. It was funny because I announced it. Then. I said, we're going to start a church in Fort Worth October 1st. People came up. Congratulations. Where's it going to be? I said, I'll let you know when I know. I didn't have any Anything. Then you find out. Everybody say the anointing. anointing. Will quicken my body. Will make me stand out in a crowd. Will raise me to the top. top. I was the only anointed kid in my English class. Nobody went to church. It's not like I think I'm better than them. There are other Christians. But I'm telling you, I'm the only one that had any value for God in my class. Nobody went to church. The Jews didn't go to synagogue. The Christians didn't go to church. The Catholics didn't go to church. It was a very secular school. Nobody had time for that. I had time for it. And God said, no, you're not going to study. Go watch Michael Jordan play. Get a hundred. God will reward you. It pays to be your father's favorite son. Can you say amen? amen? Make you stand out in a crowd. Make the presidential candidate go over to you and skip over all the other people. And make people like you. You'll hear people say all this year, you watch. If you'll do what I'm telling you to do, God doesn't like me any better than you. Personally, I feel he does, but you can't prove it from scripture, so I don't say it. But deep down, I don't believe that. But I'm telling you, he doesn't love me any better than he loves you. Because the Bible says he's no respecter of persons. What he does for one, he'll do for all. If you do, I'm not trying to get your kid to quit trying in school. I'm trying to get you as a parent to realize church is the most important thing. When the doors are open in God's house, everybody's hind end should be parked there. I mean, no, we don't need church. We need him. You're stupid. Been listening to those bozos talk like that on TV. Who's that pastor in Atlanta that talks like that? His church is empty now. 
You don't need to tithe. We don't need to go to church. Grace, amen. I don't go to church. I have a relationship with him in my heart. Yeah, let me know how it works out as your ministry spirals down the toilet. There's nobody there. Form of godliness. Twist scripture. Don't talk right. Don't rightly divide the word of truth. Tired of these people mocking Brother Hagin. Brother Hagin did back then doesn't work now. What you do doesn't work now. Your little empty church. Turn the lights down as low as you want. Nobody's there. Haven't seen a crowd shot since 2018. How dare you mock those people that pulled people out of wheelchairs? You haven't had anybody healed of the sniffles in 15 years. So keep your mouth shut. Because the people that set this country on fire didn't do it having nice, clean, three point teaching meetings. They broke it loose. Hey, Alan, Monday night, blind-eyed night. Bring the blind for prayer, and they were healed. Tuesday night, deaf ear night. Wednesday night, crippled limb night. Uh, Thursday night, polio night. Who the heck would go to a polio service? It's communicable. Everyone's there clapping. To hear this new generation of washed up, shriveled up ministers, in quotes, shut their church down for COVID-19. People don't get sick in church. People get healed in church. People don't die in church. People live in church. That's why he left. That's why we met. When they said you have to put a mask on, he said, I'm out of here. It does not gel with the Holy Ghost. You can't be full of the Holy Ghost and make decisions like that. It's not possible. You got to be careful. In business and in ministry, as you get bigger, if you're not careful, your ministry or your business will be run by insurance companies and lawyers. That's what happened to these people. I got a call from one. Got a call from our insurance company. If you, we heard that you're keeping your church open, your ministry open. If you do that, we're going to have to drop you as a client. That was on speakerphone. Then drop me. So you think I need you? This ministry does not take orders from the Aflac duck. It's like I told the bank, I'm not paying you 50 grand. Pull the account. Oh, we have about $50. Should have said no to that. That's why I'm starting my own bank. You know, it should be ready by summertime. I start putting people out of business, man. Amen. All these secular companies that charge churches a percentage. You know, when you use push pay at a church, it'll send the notification to your phone that your church is going to have to pay 2% processing. Would you like to pay? So they capitalize on offering time. They're the money changers that Jesus flipped the table over on. There's going to be a new sheriff in town because our bank is the first bank to get approval, a uh, 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 non-religious uh, church, federal credit union, first approval given since 2017. And when I started, I'm doing it because we're going to have our own. You know how these, these banks, you know, depending on which way the election goes this year, they one of the moves they'll make is like they've done in other countries. They don't stop you from having church. They make it where Visa won't do business with a church. MasterCard won't do business with the church. American Express won't do. And then banks won't process their money because you guys do hate speech. And you, believe, you, you say that prayer heals the sick instead of medicine. That's why I'm off YouTube this week. They call That's medical misinformation. 
Not just talking about the vaccine. Telling people that prayer will heal you is a violation of YouTube's terms and service. Let me tell you, get this message to YouTube. I had a ministry before there was YouTube, and long after YouTube is dead and buried, I'll still be preaching the gospel on the computer and the television and virtual reality and everything else. Sorry, my blood pressure's up. Try to stop the church. Well, the devil is not a bright person, is he? If Satan's not in this meeting, some demon go relay the message to him. You are a dummy. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And you've been trying to stop it, you knucklehead. For 2,000 years, just getting your butt kicked and humiliated all over the earth. The devil will regret being the devil in 2024. The manifestation of the sons of God is coming to the surface now. America is going to get hit by a mighty revival in 2024, and we're going to be a part of it. You're not going to watch it happen. You're right big position right now to be a part of that move of God. So clap your hands and rejoice for the Lord has already given you the land and the victory. The, the anointing. You have to use wisdom too. The anointing is wisdom. The highest wisdom you can exercise is yielding to the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? amen. And then you tell, you tell uh, the insurance company, then drop me. Well, we, we're not going to. Of course you're not. When I get that payment, process, payment processing launch, I'm going to charge churches 0%. And I'm going to put push pay out of business. And then once they're out of business, I'm going to raise it to 40%. I'm, just I'm not going to do that. Part. I don't want to go to hell. Why do Christians all think you need, like, other secular things? Yeah. Never will build their own things. You know, even getting taken off YouTube this week. So then we, you know, I built my own app because I could foresee this coming. I didn't do it now. I did it a long time ago. As soon as they took Alex Jones off Twitter, I could see it coming. They're not going to stop with him. So we got this app built. Revival Today. It's free. It broadcasts in high definition. It's a beautiful app. You can comment and everything. It has all our programs on there. Every time we get taken off YouTube, and I write, we're off YouTube. Please, please watch on our app. There's always some Christian. Why don't you go on Rumble? How about, why don't you be quiet? And why am I going to build, why am I going to use my ministry to build Rumble? Who is Rumble? They're conservative. Great. So am I. Why do we all, can't have our own banks? There should be Christian power companies. Christian oil and gas, Christian banks. You're gonna, if, if I was different, if I wasn't like I am, there would have been a secular bank that's pro-abortion, pro-everything we're against, that took $50,000 of God's offering money to go promote their cause. And Christians are fine with it because they've been, I don't know what happened. You can't blame me, I'm, I'm too young. But I'm going to change it. I'm raising up in this meeting, online and here. There's going to be people that rise out of this meeting that 
are industry disruptors. You're not going to lean on the system. You're going to break the system and God is going to set you on high to do great and mighty things in Jesus' name. If you receive that, I'm not doing this for fun. I'm telling you, God's going to take you higher than you thought possible. Take some time. Celebrate it. Bankers are here. Power companies are here. Nations are here by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I want you to say this out loud. Close both eyes and say it from your spirit. Say, Father, put a different mind in me. Put your mind in me. Put the mind in me of a master and not a servant. In Jesus' name. Oh, yeah. When it comes to Christianity, I'm a servant. I serve the Lord. Do whatever he says anytime he wants. You want me to go to Angola at Thanksgiving? I'm there. But I'm not serving heathen people. They can kiss my gospel grit. I'll get them the gospel. Yeah, you're not controlling God's money. That's why Jesus flipped the money. There were money changers in the temple. Do you know every week in in, in America, $1.3 trillion changes hands at offering time during church. So these secular companies get in on it to take 2%. I'm coming for you. Shouldn't have given you any notice, but I'm, I'm going to put you all out of business. I'm telling you right now. I'm smarter than you. You drink at night. I pray at night. I'm taking you out. Taking you out. What about you? Who told you you can't own a company? You ever watch any of these people on TV, Janet Yellen and the people that run the Federal uh, uh, Trade Commission and stuff? Who are they? Can't even get a, a proper haircut. Look like they just rolled out of bed. <laughs> then stuff comes out about what, 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 what? No, 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 I'll stop there before I get a litigation, <laughs> defamation of character. You know, stuff comes out about these people, what they're doing. How in the world can we be being outperformed by people that are drinking and into all kinds of sin at night to take the pressure off on all kinds of medication and you're anointed? And you're taking orders from people that you carry a greater power than? I'm telling you, the tables are going to turn in 2024. The tables are turning now. God is going to raise up Davids and Elijahs and Daniels. You're planted now. God has you there to uproot the system and take it back for the kingdom of God. One of the presidential candidates, I was at a big meeting with him. I got invited to a smaller meeting with him in a couple months. They actually rescheduled the meeting because it was supposed to be now. And I'm here. You know, that's what I told him. Main presidential candidate, we'd like you to come to our headquarters with eight of you because we're going to do a certain thing. Sorry, I'm preaching. The anoint- I'm not telling you to put church first. I put church first. Let's stop and preach. I don't care if you, make, if you want to make me vice president. I'll come when I'm not preaching. I'm a preacher. I'll be preaching from now till Jesus comes. Then after we return, I'll keep preaching because the Bible says we're going to have to bring the people that are disobedient into obedience. Never. I'll be preaching through the millennium. Take a little seven-year break, eat and get some sleep, and then come back. Can you say amen? I'm not just running off at the mouth, you know. I'm telling you. You are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And God put big things on the inside of you. Who told you you're stupid? The next time, the last time you told somebody you have a learning disability, make it the last time you ever say it to anybody. Every time you feel like saying it, put your hand on your head and say, Thank you, Father, that you've made me supernaturally wise. 
I have a learning disability. Who said? Your mother that wanted an extra disability check? There's kids that think they have disabilities that don't even have any. They had a mom that knew they could get an extra check if they, if they had the system tell them they needed extra medication. Now it's getting quiet. You should say amen so they know it's not you. <laughs> Happens all the time, my friend. That kid grows up thinking they're sick. Eminem wrote a song about it. Grow up thinking they're sick. Grow up thinking they have a learn, and they're actually perfectly fine. I had a girl at a youth camp one time when I was preaching youth camps. She came up to me and said, can you pray for me? I have this and this. And the Lord, it just shot out of my spirit and said, no, you actually don't have either thing. Well, they said, I said, I don't care what they said. You're actually perfectly bright and perfectly healthy. People are full of crap. You should listen to the Holy Ghost. Amen. Who said you have a learning disability? Maybe your teacher just sucked at teaching. I'm not saying all teachers suck at teaching. I'm saying maybe your teacher sucked at teaching. He has problems learning history. Maybe you have problems in teaching history. Now don't quote me when you go back to school because you're going to get in-school suspension, ISS. My, my, my wife quit allowing me to come to any kind of parent-teacher stuff. When Camila was in first grade, <laughs> I really shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Something about you people make me relax. <laughs> Teacher said, Camila's having trouble reading. I said, I know. That's what you're for. <laughs> I know. I noticed. That's why we sent her to you. <laughs> she said, uh, no, she, you know, I said, did you ever hear of Helen Keller? How many of you ever heard of Helen Keller? The, the teacher said, yeah, I have. I said, um, do you know her teacher's name? Yes, Ann Sullivan. I said, yes, Ann Sullivan taught Helen Keller to read, and she was blind and deaf. I gave you a sighted, hearing child, so surely you can do that no problem. I had Adolis's long Puerto Rican masterpiece nails dug into my thigh I was bleeding from the thigh. <laughs> I'm giving you some wisdom as a husband here. If there's things your wife invites you to that you don't like going to, get kicked out. <laughs> your wife invites you to the theater at Christmas time to go see a Christmas play and you don't want to go, wear a tuxedo t-shirt. <laughs> Sir, you're going to have to leave. Sorry, honey, they kicked me out. I don't know. See you. The anointing will give you all kinds of wisdom. Can you say amen? amen? Now, I know everybody's laughing. I'm telling you the truth. Who told you your kid isn't good at that? Maybe they don't learn the way they're being taught. Your child's brilliant. I'm going to tell you one thing. If they are having a problem, I'll tell you how they're not going to pull out of it. Is your, their mother and father and teachers all telling them that they can't learn and they're stupid. Somebody, you're bright. You're incredibly bright. You might be coming against a challenge right now. We're going to figure it out and you're going to get it and you're going to fly through with flying colors in Jesus' mighty name. Every person in the sound of my voice, every barrier that's been set up to keep you low, I see you breaking those barriers tonight and going high in Jesus' mighty name. High! In Jesus' mighty name. 
If you believe it, shout, I receive it. What does the Bible say? Where's the scripture? I have a learning disability. I'll tell you what it says. Say it out loud. I can do all things. Come on, say it convincingly. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. I can do all things. Yeah. I, I, I'll tell you, that scripture, I thank God for my parents and my Sunday school teachers teaching me those faith scriptures when I was little. It got into me. I can do all things. Hey, the banks aren't going to allow Christians to do business much longer. Good, I'll start my own. How are you going to do it? Because I can do all things. Some alcoholic, adulterer, banker can do it. I can do it by the anointing. That's what keeps people back. Some of you buy and sell pickup trucks. But you actually could take it to another level and start a dealership. Do the, I'm going to be the only one that's going to encourage you. You got a lot of paperwork in that. Then do the freaking paperwork. If somebody else did it. Look at these bozos that are, that are senators and stuff. They're absolute dysfunctional human beings. Not all of them, but lots of them. That guy just got dismissed. From, from, House, from Congress, he was paying for an OnlyFans account out of his campaign credit card. You have to be. I'm not saying this because I'm a preacher. I'm saying it as a, you're an idiot. It shows up on the statement. OnlyFans. It doesn't sell cooling devices. It's not OnlyFans. That, that's, that's a congressman. Those are the people that you think that they're like there and you're here. And they're not. I'm not running those people. Well, I guess I'm kind of running them down. But what I'm trying to do is tell you, you're brighter than you think. America, I mean, alongside the Bible, America was created that there would be no ruling class. There's no us in them. There's just us. You can go as high as you want to go. And yeah, we could all talk about all the things that have happened and are happening that hold you down. But I'm telling you, if you read that Bible, there's always been things in place that are unjust to hold people down. And if somebody got anointed, those chains fall off so quick, it'll make your head spin. Every societal structure that's been put in place to keep you down as a Hispanic or a Mexican-American or black or whatever else you are, God is going to use you as a shining billboard that no one can curse what God has blessed. Can you say amen? You could be president of the United States if you wanted to. That's right. I like how people are talking. Why not? That's right. What can others do that you can't do? You have something you're good at. Do it. What's the thing you love to do? Give it all you got. Everybody, there's diversity in the body of Christ. Everybody has, you know, my, my friend that drove down from South Dakota, he runs a big ranch in South Dakota. That's his thing. Does all, he's great. He's got an anointing for it. That's his thing. I'm not trying to get him to be president. That's his thing. What's your thing? You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be getting, looking forward to Friday so you could get drunk 
and then, oh, here comes Monday again. If that's your life, you are out of the will of God. I was excited to come to Hobbs this weekend. One more meeting, and then I'm, I'm done. I love this. I'm not even preaching. I'm just like talking to you like we're all in a living room together. Out of the Bible. This isn't work. No, I end up sweaty somehow. I think it's just from being out of shape. Every time I get sweaty, there's always one Catholic person that goes, you had angel wings on the back of your cuff. No, that's just sweaty shoulders, but you have a very glass half full way of looking at things. I'm going to tell the dry cleaner that. No, they're angels wings. Say it one more time from your seat. I can do all things, do all things. Through, Christ, through Christ who strengthens me. You know, when I went over with Bishop Dag Haywood Mills, where are you at, Benny? Play that video. I want people to see what I'm talking about. When Dag Haywood Mills came this last time, Bishop Dag Haywood Mills to speak at our church, he said, I want you to come with me to one of my crusades. You know, I'm, I'm not going to keep you here all night. I'll wrap it up now. We have the whole week together. When a door opens, you got to walk through it when it opens. If I'd have told Bishop Deck, well, I'm sorry, um, that's Thanksgiving week. I have, it's over. He's never going to ask again. If I'd have told Dr. Rodney, I'm sorry, I have, I have meetings planned. I can't help you at the stand. It's over. You go when the door opens, the opportunity of a lifetime has to be seized in the lifetime of an opportunity. Because when God quickens someone to help you, it doesn't last. More than five minutes. It lasts right then. That's why, have you ever heard me announce when I'm preaching, I'm going to give so-and-so $10,000? You know why I say it? Because I would change my mind in five minutes. So I say it when the Lord speaks publicly so I can't change my mind. I'm giving you $10,000 for Christmas. I'm giving you $10,000 for Christmas. I already gave you guys money. And then even your rotten sister back in the children's church, I'm giving her $10,000. Against my will. Merry Christmas. Because you're my friend. Because you're a great friend. I have a lot of friends. I don't. But they're my friends. Flew up from New Mexico to Pittsburgh to be at my daughter's birthday party and then flew back home. Didn't even stay the night. That's a friend. I don't forget people that care about me and my family. I love you. That's from Jesus. Merry Christmas. Go to Orlando and buy everything you want. Amen. Bishop Dag, I'll close with this. He said, when we come to the trailer, you got to recognize when the anointing's on something. I want you to come to my next crusade with me. You know what I ended up finding out? I'm the first minister he's taken on a crusade since a very well-known minister went with him 15 years ago. He doesn't take anybody with him. I said, all right, I'll go. He gave me three to pick from. I was preaching two of the weeks, and the one week was Thanksgiving, and I had it open. So I told Adelson Camila, I said, I'm going to take you to Las Vegas when I get back. We'll spend the whole week together since we didn't get to be together for Thanksgiving. We'll have a million Thanksgivings out there, eat like bulimics that forget to throw up. <laughs> what a terrible analogy. And I went, and when I went, we hit it off. We had a good time on the, on the mission field. I made him laugh a couple of times. Isn't easy to do. And then he told me, he said, I'd like you to do crusades in Africa. I said, well, let me tell you why I don't do them. I said, you do them. 
And I said, I don't exactly want you preaching. Think he, he could really use my help. I feel like you got it covered. I said, and Africa has a bunch of good preachers beside you. I said, who's doing any of this kind of stuff in America? I said, that's why I focus there. It's not because I love air conditioning and Starbucks. It's because this, this nation, I'm fighting for it. He said, no, all that's true. And then he explained to me that it's scriptural to go. That he said, do you want to know the analogy he used? He said, what does America get from sending a space shuttle to the moon or India just now? He said, they don't get any oil. They don't get any gold. They don't get any silver. They don't get any copper. They bring, they spend billions of dollars, go there and get nothing and come back. He said, but then it elevates them as a nation. It separates them from all the other nations. Everybody knows all the nations that went to the moon. America, now India, Russia. I know what you think about the moon landing. I'm just using it as an illustration. So he's, he said, and it's the same way with crusades. He said, you, you spend a lot of money and go reach these people and bring nothing back. I think his offerings for the whole week in that big soccer field were like 400 U.S. dollars, 4,700. It's 300,000 through the beating. Every, you know, there's no money. Exchange rates, 800 to 1, 1,000 to 1. People give one of their dollars. It doesn't even equal a penny. It equals a tenth of a penny. So there's nothing in the natural that would make you want to go do that. He said, but when you go, you come back and it elevates you. And he said, you'd think your church would get smaller. He said, but look at my churches. He said, I'm out running around doing these and they all grow because God gives you a supernatural reward for doing this. Then he made me an offer. He said, play it so I can show you what, I, what, I, what I'm talking about. Now that go ahead. My name is Umelo the Earth. Mention your name, mention your name. He don't know, he don't know, he don't know, he don't So that stage and those lights, that's not the stadium stage and lights. That stadium doesn't even work. All busted up. Looks like the stadium on Warzone on Call of Duty. Just wanted to see who plays. Be shooting you online next week. I'm always hiding in a bush. Just laying in a bush. That's Cardi B. Those are his lights. That's his stage, and they drive it on trucks. It's a major operation. He now has four of them in different parts of Africa because he does three of those a month. So you can't drive the one. Africa is enormous. So he's got them all stationed in different parts of Africa so then he can go from the one to the other. You know what he told me? Then you need a crusade director to go live there for six months and get the churches organized and do it. He said, I have three crusade directors. 
You can use one of them. He said, and I'll give you my convoy stage to use. I want you to start doing this and helping me. What kind of an offer is that? That's something that I never had to send a newsletter out to raise money for those trucks and the crews and pay a crusade director. That's a divine thing that God is adding by the anointing, by sensing when the anointing. Kenneth Hagin said, the only difference in ministers, and this would go for people too, is their ability to hear from the Holy Spirit. If you will learn to follow that inward voice of the Holy Spirit, it will never lead you backwards. Who knows? I could have failed English if I ignored the Holy Spirit saying to go visit my teacher. But when you follow his voice, he leads you forward, not backward. You're a lady and you meet a handsome man and he goes to church and you tighten up on the inside. Something doesn't feel right. When the Holy Spirit checks you on a decision, it's like showering with your socks on. Something doesn't feel right. And sometimes all the boxes are checked in the natural, but on the inside. When Pastor Dean, you can ask Pastor Dean, when he walked over, you know when he walked over to invite me to this church? It was during shake a few hands time during church. He walked over, shook my hand, said, I'm a pastor. I'd like you to come to my church. I said, I'll come. You know why? Before I found out anything about him, before I could check to see if he was Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Or I didn't know what he was. When he invited me, I, I, I knew it was the right guy. I said, I'll be there. Then other people announced you. I have 5,500 people on. I'm all set. You follow that voice. There's not one person in here that God doesn't have a plan for your life. There's not one person in here right now that God doesn't have a great plan for your life. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I know the plan I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and never to harm you. With all those fearsome end time prophetic scriptures, wars, rumors of wars, famine, pestilence, nation rise against nation, when they got all done with that, Jesus said, but not one hair of your head will perish. I don't care. Yeah, I'm telling you what's going to go on, but it won't affect you. Not one hair of your head will perish. I know the plan I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you. And how many times to harm you? Never to harm you. Plans to give you a, a hope. And a glorious future. I know. God's not up in heaven trying to figure out a plan to get your life back on track. It's kind of hoping he wouldn't come on Monday night. Now I've got to figure out some kind of plan. The guy's a train wreck. No. God's not up in heaven saying that. I know the plan I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and never to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a glorious future. So I'm calling you right now. Which way are you going to go? You want to live a nice little life like they carved out for you in Hobbs, New Mexico? Get a job, have $200 in savings, get your taxes paid, uh, hope the right guy wins the election so you can get some benefits. Now we get a $200 deductible and we go to the doctor. That's, that's what you want. Me and you aren't going to, you're not going to have much interest in my ministry. 
Or do you want to be what Jesus died for? Adam was given dominion over the whole world. He lost it by sin. The second Adam, Christ, came and restored the dominion that was lost. And the world is waiting. The earth is waiting for the sons of God to manifest themselves. We've been letting the children of the devil run this place too long. Where are the born-again Christians that are going to take their place on the school board as governor, as mayor, as top business owner, as construction equipment purchaser, the top one in New Mexico. I'm looking at the top Texans, the top New Mexicans, the top South Dakotans, the top Colorado. They're in this room and God is going to use you and make you great in Jesus' name. One final time. Take 30 seconds. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Give Jesus a mighty shout. You're redeemed for the top. You're redeemed for the top. You don't belong at the bottom. You're redeemed for the top. One more time, shout a living amen. Shout a living amen. Everybody on your feet. Every hand lifted. Every eye closed. Be blessed in Jesus' name. I curse every demonic negative word that's been spoken over your life. In Jesus' name. I curse 20 years of programming to keep you small. Think you have a tiny brain with tiny ideas. Somebody, there was a Christian I met one time. They gave me their email address. It was littlethoughts87 at yahoo.com. I said, why don't you change it to big thoughts? Even your email's full of unbelief. (laughs) Who told you you're tiny? Why do you confess that you're tiny? I'm on a fixed income. Unfix it. And you say amen. Amen. I've been staying in casino hotels a lot because they have food that's open 24 hours. You know, every time you walk by the slot machines and people are putting money in and pulling that lever, you know what it's a sign? People know on the inside of them they're supposed to increase. They just don't know where to do it. They're reaching for more in a wheelchair with a cane, taking their money, and trying to find one way where they can multiply. Because God put that on the inside of you, and you're doing it in the wrong place. But you're in the right place tonight. In blessing, I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply your seed. You've watched my little girl, Camila, have all kinds of insane doors come open for her at a young age. It's from the anointing. That girl was raised in church from the womb. She listens to preaching to go to sleep. Makes her feel at home. The anointing has given, you've seen all my family, Shuttlesworth family, all preachers. Everything we have of any value is from the anointing. You know that Falcon 50 jet someone gave me? You know when they gave it to me? I finished preaching and they came to the altar and said, Lord spoke to me to give you a jet. It's going to take me two years to get it remodeled and then I'll give it to you. I thought I'd never hear from the guy again. Exactly two years later. Pulled around the corner, and I took delivery of it. And now when I walk to preach, I walk in the same hangar where the president of the healthcare network in Pittsburgh's plane is. Oh, the bank plane, and there's my plane. As I've been telling you, see, if you, if you went to hear me preach 12 years ago with no plane, no church, no nothing, you heard me saying all the same stuff. You speak it before you have it. You don't say what you have. You say what you believe, and what you believe when you speak it becomes what you have. I knew I belonged at the top. The Bible told me I do. 
I'm redeemed by Jesus Christ as a king and a priest. It was a king and priest. You'll never arrive at a destination that you don't know exists. That's why nobody came to America from Europe for however many thousand years. They thought the world ended there. Somebody had this, no, I think there's actually something further on. So until somebody tells you there's something further, then you stay. But then when you know there's more, you reach. And I'm telling you, there's more. And I'm also telling you, you can do it. If I did it, I missed recess twice a week. First, second grade, grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade for speech therapy. What am I doing right now for a living? Speaking. Couldn't speak at all. Now I speak for a living. God will take your weakness and he won't heal it. He'll turn it into a strength. So that one day when you're speaking in Pittsburgh, a confused old woman will stand up like happened to me and say, are you the same Jonathan that went to Central Assembly of God Church? Yes. How are you able to speak? That's how messed up I was. That a lady said, I knew you when you were a kid. How in the world? What happened? There's going to be people that are confused. Like my dad was confused when he got a check for 50000 That old lady's confused at how I'm speaking like that. God's going to bless you so much that it's going to confuse people. Because they thought they knew how high you could go in life. But God's got another level for you tonight in Jesus' name. Every... Are you the lady that drove from Texas that I talked to? Where's the lady that drove from Texas that I talked to that stayed the whole week? Where's she at? I talked to you after the morning service. Step out into the aisle. You're not in trouble. I just have a gruff voice. Lift both hands. Close both eyes. From today, everything turns around. In Jesus' name. No more fighting. I'm going to give you a word from the Lord from the scripture. Satan came to Jesus. He quoted the scripture. Satan said something else. Quoted the scripture. Satan said the third thing. Jesus quoted the scripture. And the Bible says the devil left him alone for a season. Your dime of fighting is over. And now Satan goes and you're left alone. This is your season to rest. In Jesus' name. In the name. In the name. In the name of Jesus. I'm not going to tell you what that lady told me because it's nobody's business. She came up to me in the morning and said, I saw you on Daystar Television. I drove three hours. I'm going to drive every day three hours up and back to be in the meeting. So Abraham got her a, a hotel so she could. She wasn't asking for one to stay here. You know what that is? That's desperation. She said, I've been going through a hard time, and I'm not going to tell you what the hard time is. There's people that are here like that tonight. You've been going through a hard time. That's why initially it's hard to listen to somebody like me. Yeah, whatever, Jetson. Hope you're flying to a mountain. I'm struggling over here. But you got to tell people where they can go. That no matter what's gone wrong, you're only one prayer away from a miracle. I mean a miracle that'll turn everything around, that'll clear the cancer out of your body. Ben, so people know what I, I mean when I say a miracle. This lady, <laughs> she came to our church. She had seven strokes and bleeding on her brain and could not move from the neck down. She made her husband walk her up to the front for prayer with her feet on his feet and him holding her up like this. I, when she was coming, I was thinking, yo. So she comes up. She, she asks for prayer. Abraham's here. He'll tell you. 
It was like holding up, a, a, like if you caught a huge fish out of the ocean, she had no, you had to like hold her completely up or she'd fall. So I said, here, let me get a chair so you can sit down and pray. Because if, if I like prayed and forgot I was holding her up, she was going to just flat out fall and get very hurt. And when I said, let me sit you down so you can pray, she went, I'm not sitting back down. You know, there's a certain tone a woman uses where, you know, arguing is useless. I said, all right. So I prayed. And then I told Pastor Augustine and Pastor Abraham, stay with her and pray for her. I'm going to go talk to the next person. And I, the main thing I was telling them was, don't let her fall. She's intent on standing. She's going to fall. So just pray and make sure she stays up. So I go to talk to the next family. And then that woman, I look over, and she's running full speed and jumping high. Now, because if I had just seen her do that and someone told me she was in a wheelchair and stuff, I would have just said, oh, praise the Lord. But because I held her and saw how lifeless she was and motionless. You know, when you're a preacher like me and somebody gets healed after you pray, you're supposed to act like you're not surprised. I look like Kevin's dad on Home Alone when they realized they left Kevin at home. She ran and jumped. You know, I was supposed to go like, praise the Lord, amen. I went like this. I'm telling you the truth. I grabbed my head because it, it, it was hard to believe after I saw it. I mean a miracle. I'm not telling you so you can say, well, what Jonathan had. I'm telling you, after you see this a few hundred times, God do stuff like this, you start losing respect for how hard someone's having it. And you just want to tell them, believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and your house. Play it. Um, I had seven strokes. Seven uh, back strokes. in March the 6th, and uh, that led to a lot of other things. Brain hemorrhaging, um, microbrain bleed, stage 2 kidney disease, uh, malignant hypertension, a tumor on my adrenal gland was causing everything. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't run, I couldn't walk, I couldn't speak. My speaking was slurred. I kept falling down. I was confused. And um, we followed Jonathan Shuttleworth. And this morning, he had said something about uh, 10 months, and it's over. And it's been 10 months for me. I said, that's mine. And he said, healing, healing be all over you. And I said, that's mine. And I stood up. And I was unable to walk when I first came in. And I was running after Jonathan Shuttleworth grabbed my hand and prayed for me and said, it's over. It's over. It's broken off of you. And I felt the miraculous power of God and Jesus inside of me and just like it burst and it felt like it just broke all the chains that were on me and I feel like my adrenal kidney tumor the doctors are going to say what happened it's not there when I go for my MRI they're going to say your brain is not bleeding anymore and I believe that it's healed in Jesus name there's no more it's dried up the blood is dried up like the woman with the issue 12 years. All glory to God. And thank you again for Jonathan Shuttleworth coming into this community and shining the light of God and breaking the power of evil and darkness. Amen. You hear, you hear what she said? After receiving that miracle, she said, and now I know that the hemorrhage is dried up too. See, when you get a touch from God's power, you'll start talking differently. 
I got the report, that was three weeks ago, I got the report this week that everything is fixed. The tumor gone from the pituitary, everything. God cleared the whole thing out. That woman was messed up. And God now has her unmessed up. There's nothing the devil has done to you that God can't do something about it today. What do you have to do? I would that you be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here, don't lie to me. Don't lie to God. And lose your pride. Pride, that's why God hates pride. Pride would keep you in your seat right now. If you're honest and you say, Jonathan, I believe in God, but believing in God's not enough. You believe there's one God? The Bible says, good. Even the demons believe and tremble. But demons don't get anything from God. You have to be all in. R.W. Shambach that I brought up earlier said, Jesus will either be everything or he'll be nothing at all. Have you given, if you want to live a frustrating life, be half in church. Two Sundays a month. Come when you can. Pastor, I have to work Sundays. I'm going to see if I can get some time. That'll be the most miserable life you could live. That's Jesus talking. I would that you be hot or cold. You'd be better off just not coming at all. Go out in the world and enjoy yourself. Because you're not going to get anything out of it. If you will commit yourself wholeheartedly to these words of mine. That's the only platform for blessing. Wholehearted commitment to God. Father, in the name of Jesus. The same way when I sat in my father's services at four and five and six years old and seven. And I felt that pool of the anointed. To give myself to you. As a living sacrifice. Put that pull on people's spirits now. May they lose interest in the world. May they desire, have no desire for the things of this world. And have a great hunger and thirst. Like a deer pants for the water. So my soul longeth after you. My soul fainteth for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Put that in people right now. Put that in people right now. Where this stops being a religion and uh, it is life. Pray you'd raise up great teenagers out of this meeting. Great women out of this meeting. Heroes of their generation. The best Mexican preachers that have ever walked the planet out of this meeting. In Jesus' name. If you're here and you say, Jonathan, I've never surrendered my life. I have never properly, I have never properly surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I've played church. I believe in God. I have a Bible. But the kind of thing you're talking about, I've never done that. I've never consecrated my life to God. That is the foundation for, for the blessing of God. You know, it's interesting that Pastor Dean, God didn't tell him, you know, to start holding the Bible study and you can still kind of sell cars and stuff. He had to, he had to give everything. That's the only kind of thing God blesses. And look what came out of it. He could have easily had a church with 28 people and still sold cars. But you don't, you don't get this doing it part-time. You get it when you're all in. You push all the chips to the middle of the table and say, I'm going with you, Jesus. I mean, look what Jesus, Jesus, Jesus has like zero regard for society. 
Leave your nets and come follow me. The guy owned a fishing company. You can't just walk away from all your employees. There's no, there's no, in a week, tell everyone, you know, begin to wind down your business. Leave your nets and come follow me. And he left his nets and followed him. And his employees were thinking, uh, what do we do? I don't know. You'll have to figure something out. I'm going with Jesus. They don't, they don't preach that type of Christianity in America anymore. It's just kind of like fit God into your life. That's why I don't even do multiple services at my church. And most everybody does. And I'm not against them for doing it. Pastor Rodney's done it. Bishop David Oedipo does it. But when I hear church leaders say, people like options. You know, some people, I don't, I'm sick of people having options. You should adjust your life around when church is. Not church adjust to when you can come. Or you're going to be another generation of American Christians that can't come to church because it's too hot and then can't come because it's too cold. But that day's over. God is raising up out of this meeting right now. Book of Acts sold out believers. If you have never properly turned over your whole life to God, or you once did and sort of did, but you say, Jonathan, if I'm honest, I'm not living a holy life. I'm not sold out to God. I don't care who else is coming to the altar tonight. Tonight I make up my mind. If God is going to use people that are giving him their whole life, I want God to use me. I walk away from everything else that I might have Christ. If that's you and you can feel that pull that I would feel as a child, I want you to quickly, I'm not even going to do a show of hands. I want you to come from your seat right now and join me at the altar and we're going to pray. We're going to do a proper consecration of God. Come right now. Those of you with more boldness, come first. It'll help those that are more timid. Come. If the Lord's dealing with your heart, come. Whatever age, come. God, I need to fully surrender my life to the Lord. Come and join me at the altar. Go ahead and sing it. As they sing, come. In Jesus' name. I want to give my whole life to God. I don't want to be half in, half out. I surrender my whole life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you. God bless you. I want to give my whole life to Christ. Go ahead, sing the rest of the song. Anybody else before we pray? I want to give everything to God. I want to do it tonight. nice and loud. Heavenly Father, tonight I surrender my whole life. Everything I am, I give it to you. Everything I'm not, I give it to you. I receive your power. I turn my back on sin. I repent.
I believe in my heart you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I'm saved. I consecrate myself to your work, to your word, to your church. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit RevivalToday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.